0: So here we go. Um, we're continuing our series on Psalms and, uh, you know, it's wonderful to start a meeting with worship because I always feel like all fired up to start preaching when I've been worshipping God and we've been in God's presence. You know, it's an interesting thing. I mean, something we're t- going to be talking about a bit this morning is looking at the heavens <clears throat> and the the universe around us. And I think Sometimes when um, when we worship together, you really feel like you connect with the heavens, if you like, or the sort of the supernatural aspect and the characteristic of God. And I, I certainly feel that when I worship God sometimes, and I certainly felt that this morning. And I sometimes it's good to look at Scripture where it alludes to this. And there is a there's a bit in Revelation 4 where it talks about the talks about the throne in heaven. And I think as Christians, it's good sometimes to think about this aspect of God dwelling in the heavens, in his throne. And there is an eternal heavens and earth that we will look forward to, that we anticipate as Christians. And it's a wonderful place to think of that God dwells. um, And that's something that we can know and experience today today as being in Christ, in our hearts we can know what it is, to know that heavenly place in our heart as we look to him. And I certainly um, felt God speak to me about that in the worship this morning. But we're looking at Psalm 8 this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, do turn to page eight, uh, Psalm 8. Um, page 8 would be Genesis, of course. Um, so Psalm 8 which in your pew Bibles, no, sorry, uh, we don't have pew Bibles. Um, Psalm 8 comes after Nehemiah, and it's sort of before Proverbs, but here we are. I have it in my NIV, and I'm going to read it to you from the NIV. Psalm 8 should come up on the screen. There we go. For the director of music, according to Gittith, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Because of your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Okay, I'm just going to pray and then get started. Father, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for your word. We thank you that everything in it is for our understanding of who you are. That you are God of creation. That you are God of all things that you are God of us. Individually, as your church, as a people, as a nation, as a population of this planet. Thank you, God, that you have given us your word. I just pray that today, that you would speak into our hearts, that you would reveal something further of who you are, that we would go away from here, having heard from you. Thank you, God, that you are a real and personal God, who desires to impact and to be with us every day of our lives. Be with us now by your spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let's have a look at this. Um, i take my jacket off before I start. It's getting quite warm. Right. Um... So the very start of this psalm, we see David lifting up God. Lifting up, he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And then also in verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. There's There's a moment here where you almost feel like David who wrote this psalm, is perhaps out walking at night time. He's talking about the works of the fingers, the moon and the stars, where he's perhaps gazing up at the multitude of the stars above him. Now, I don't know if any of you have been out at night where you've seen the multi- multitude of the stars, where you're not, it's not got light pollution. I mean, even with light pollution, it's pretty amazing. But how many of you have been like, to the middle of Australia somewhere? Where you've seen, I've seen a few nods, great. Where you see, and it's absolutely incredible because it's like a mist. You see the Milky Way. It's absolutely incredible seeing the array of the nighttime sky. And I always thought this is what David is seeing as he's out walking. He's seeing the wonderful creation of the universe above him. And there's something quite amazing when we consider the universe itself and, the, and, if you like, the existence of it. When we consider the heavens above us. Now, um, before September last year, I was a math teacher and in a local school. And one of the topics I covered was standard form. that We taught it to year nine. So, some of you, do anyone know what standard form is? No, there we go. (laughs) You might have done at one point. But standard form is the notation we use for either really big numbers or really small numbers. So it's a notation we we use for those. And for mathematics, we really just teach them what it is. But really, it's a scientific way of, as I say, writing these numbers down. So one of the things I used to do was when I taught this topic to Year 9, I wanted to Get them to understand and grasp something of the magnitude of these numbers and why we use standard form. Um, and so I show them a clip from YouTube, and you can you can actually look at this if you wanted to. If you just type in "smallest to the largest things in the universe" exist in the universe, it shows you this wonderful video of it sort of zooming from the very smallest thing to the very largest thing. And the very smallest thing that it shows is something of the power of ten to the minus thirty-five. Now, if I just throw that number at you, you think, well, I haven't got a clue what that means. But 10 to the minus 35 is very, very small. If you think of 10 to the minus 1 as being uh, 0.1, so 10 to the minus 1 is 0.1 of a metre. 10 to the minus 35 is similar, 0 point, but with 34 zeros and a 1 at the end. So you can imagine how small that is. And so what this video does, it shows the very smallest things in the universe to so the very largest. And if you go to the very largest thing in the universe, you go to 10 to the power 27. And 10 to the power 27 is, again, 10 times 10, 27 times. There you go. A bit of maths as well thrown in. And, that's an issue, and that number is used for the size of the universe. So the universe is 10 to the power 27 meters wide, as it were. It's all round. So, um, so why do I tell you that? Just to give you some aspect of the sizes of things that we're talking about, about what is created, what is the existence of things around us. Um, there are bigger numbers than that, which if you ask my children, I'm sure they'll be very happy to share that with you. <laughs> um, but the size of the universe is wonderful, but also the intricacies of the universe. Um, we all know... Somebody uh, called Brian Cox, who recently has come into the public arena. Because he has an amazing ability to open our eyes to the complexities of the solar system. He's recently done a, a program on BBC which explores the planets and the solar system. And just this week, I popped around one of my neighbor's house just to see how he was and how he was getting on. And there, there and behold, there he was watching Brian Cox on the, on the Yesterday channel... And, watching, and and I sat there with him watching Brian Cox dis- describe the planet Jupiter. And it was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. And with all the animation he uses, I just think, isn't this amazing that this is just one planet in the whole solar system where we are? And I think that there's an element, as David pondered the universe around him, what was his response to seeing these things. His response was one of, how majestic is your name? You have set your glory above the earth. When I consider your heavens and the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And I'm going to come on to that in a moment. But it's amazing that it's, what he does is when he sees all this wonderful creation and the wonderful universe, he looks to God. And I think that's something that is for each one of us as Christians here today. When we consider the greatness of God, when we consider the universe around us, what is your response? My response is one of worship, is one of adoration and praise. And oh my goodness, isn't God amazing that he's created all this stuff? Now, interestingly, in this psalm, when... David talks about the glory above the heavens. In verse 2, he says, From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Now, I don't know about you, but almost I think that's a bit sort of strange to bring that in straight after. I mean, I would have expected David to say something like, The praise comes from the wise and the intellectual because of this wonderful creation. I'd expect to say something like in it, the praise would come from the established people in society, the upright, to be able to give glory to God. He doesn't even mention himself at this point. What he does is he mentions children and infants. Now, the first point I want to make is this children praising God is a wonderful thing. It's, it's a wonderful thing when children are just declaring. The wonders and the, and the goodness of God. I mean, even this morning, you know, I said to Noah, you know, is there, you know, is there anything you would like to pray for Zoe as she's getting dedicated? And he said, yeah, you know, I just pray and thank God for Zoe. And it's wonderful to hear him praising God and thanking God for Zoe's wonderful life. You know, and it's a great thing to encourage our children to be people who are praising God. And and I think as parents and as even adults here, one of the responsibilities we have is to encourage our children to be people who praise God however they do that. We do TSP at home and the children love it. Thanks, sorry and praise and, and please. So we get our children to thank God for things that they are thankful for, to say sorry for things that they perhaps might have done wrong and to say please for things they'd like to see God do or to outwork it's a wonderful thing to outwork so David saying from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise you know children you know it's not just in that though but watching children in just playing and interacting with the world is a real awesome thing in itself you know I've been a teacher for so many years, and one of the reasons I went into teaching is to see, it's just to really inspire to see children become all that God has made them to be. You know, that is one of the things that I get most passionate about, is to see children become all that God wants them to be. And, you know, children, there's an innocence and an openness in children to just discover and learn you know, I think is innate in all children. And I think it gets knocked out of us as we get it to adults. But there's this innate sort of hunger for learning that is in children. And I think when teachers grasp something of that, you know, you see children just fly. I mean, there was a teacher a couple of years ago, um, Miss Jones, who just got hold of Tom in a way that he just flew with his understanding of mathematics. You know, he just totally ran with just this teacher. And I think... As adults, just encouraging children in a way. And I know as parents, it's difficult sometimes. And it's a challenge. Particularly, you know, at those moments of mealtimes and bedtimes. But when children grasp something of the whole, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing. And I think there's something in this psalm that David's trying to get us to understand. You know, children are a wonderful gift. The sense of curiosity of wonder and adventure they have. These are the things that children, the positives about children, that they demonstrate to us. You know, they push boundaries. You know, they push boundaries. You know, I love, you know, getting around university students. You know, to hearing, just their passion for things. You know, they're, they're sort of, they're, they're wanting to explore and throw ideas out. You know, I got to experience that in a sick form environment at my school, you know, they, they ask me questions about my faith that actually demand a response. You know, and children, you know, are just a wonderful, um, you know, there's a potential in every child that I think could be mighty and powerful, um, you know, in a wonderful, caring and um, uplifting environment. If children are nurtured in, a, in that environment, it's wonderful to see them become all that God's called them to be. I think children can be a great demonstration to us of how to respond to God. Jesus encourages us to come to Him with a childlike faith. I mean, even the disciples try and turn children away, but Jesus says, Let them come to me. Let them come to me. So I suppose my first encouragement is um, how do we respond to God? Do we respond with a childlike faith? Do we come to him with our agenda? Or do we come with him with a list of requests? Or do we come like a child, as a son or daughter, to delight in him, to have fun with him, and to be loved by him? We have a Father in heaven who sees us as his children. He delights in us, and he wants us to know that we love him. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praised. So as we continue in this psalm, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Our attention is now drawn back to the heavens. But it's not just drawn back to the heavens per se. It says, considering your heavens. And then in verse 4, It says, in considering the heavens, what is man that you are mindful of him? And to be honest with you, I've heard this verse quite a lot of times as a Christian. But if I'm honest, I've never really known what it means. And I looked into this, I spent a bit of time. What does it mean that what is man that you are mindful of him? Now, um, I want us to watch a short video now. Hopefully the technology would work where it just shows you a little bit of the world around us, well, the universe around us. So here we go. Okay, so if we go back to the verse again, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? From the video, we can just see how minutely small we are and how incredibly big the universe is. So if we consider the significance of what this means, we're talking of a God who has gone to this wonderful effort of creating this universe, of stuff we see and stuff we don't see. And the midst of this are chosen to create humans, a creature that is so very small. So almost in this verse you can see where David has grasped something of this comparison of the universe, what is man that you are mindful of him? The Hebrew word, Hebrew word here used for man, what is man that you are mindful of him, is inuos. And it's, it doesn't refer to man in the general sense of mankind, nor does it refer to man in Adam's state before the fall. But it refers to man as being like a frail, weak, or mortal, sickly man. It's the same sort of Hebrew word that is used 11 times in the book of Job and those of you that know the book of Job, Job was a man who experienced a lot of sickness pain and suffering so why should David be writing this psalm drawing our attention to the the universe but also at the weakness of this, this creature that God has made so I think what David was doing was, while grasping something of the vastness of the universe, the moon and the stars, is considering what appears to be sincere humility in how small and insignificant he actually was compared to the greatness of God. Martin Luther King is a great, uh, was a great American civil rights activist, the man who inspired um, people with the speech, I Had a Dream... And spoke that uh, inspired many. Now, I would suggest that Martin Luther King had a great understanding of this perspective, of the greatness of God and the frailness of man. In 1956, in January 1956, Martin Luther King was receiving 30 hate letters a day. He was receiving an average of 25 obscene phone calls a day and death threats were quite normal. After one night being awakened by one of these calls in the middle of the night in Alabama, he went into his kitchen, put his head down on the table and he prayed. He prayed, Oh Lord, I'm down here trying to do what is right, but I must confess that I am weak now. I'm afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength and courage, they will falter. I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I can't face it alone. And he tells this story in in his book. um, And he says that what happened next was life-changing for him. And for him, it seemed like an inner voice was speaking to him with quiet assurance. And this is what he heard. Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness stand up for justice and stand up for truth and lo i will be with you even until the end of the world this was martin luther king's moment of interaction between the creator and the created he goes on to say it was the voice of jesus telling me To still fight on. He promised to never leave me. Never to leave me alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me. I think for Martin Luther King, this was the first time in his life that God was profoundly real and personal to him. The God of the heavens became a personal, living, walking person to stand with him throughout all his life. The rest of his life was stamped by this experience. Now I know that there are people in this room who will have had similar experiences to Martin Luther King. They're not just special because he was a a great leader. God wants to speak to every single one of us. God is real. And He's created the wonderful universe, but he's also created us as his children. And he desires to have personal relationship with each one of us. Again, what is our response? Do we recognize that we are in need of God? Do we look to a God who does care? Do we look for something or someone who will actually stand with us in our weakness and our frailty? You know, I love this testimony of Martin Luther King because it's almost when Martin Luther King gets to the end of what he feels he can achieve with his own ends, with his own might. When he's reached his limit, this is when God comes to him, speaks to him and empowers him to do all that God's called him to do. And when we go to the second part of this verse, we discover there's someone who Martin Luther King talking about. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. Now the son of man in this context is to be understood as representing Jesus. Jesus is the only man in history who claimed to be God and yet here we see that he was made a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned with glory and honour. See, now, this is the incredible thing. God does this wonderful thing where he takes his creation, he takes this wonderful universe, this cosmos, and within it, he places a planet where this planet can only exist in a fraction, a tiny, again, lots of ten to the powers of big numbers, There's 20 constants that have to exist for this planet to be there. And on this planet he puts life, and for this life to exist is amazing in its own right. And within this planet he places a species, the human beings, and within this species he sends himself to be one of us, to be one of them, one of these weak and frail creatures that he's created Now, it seems rather extraordinary. Why on earth would he do this? Why would he bother doing this? And the Bible is very clear. He did this because he loves us. He came to dwell amongst us because he wanted to restore a relationship with us that was broken in the Garden of Eden. He doesn't just love the good people. He loves everyone. In fact, he loves everyone so much that the... The only thing which would demonstrate such love for us would to send himself, a perfect, majestic majestic creator God, to live as one of us. But the difference was he was a man without sin. He was able to take every and all sin on himself when he died because he was that perfect lamb we were talking about earlier. So when God raised him from the dead, every sin that all those who trust and follow Jesus is completely taken care of. And that's the wonderful truth that we live in as Christians. Jesus has completely taken care of every sin, wiped away, given us this access to, this, to the God who created the heavens and the earth. The one that David was singing about in this psalm. The New Testament writer of Hebrews quotes this verse in Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? In Hebrews 2. And when describing Jesus in verses 8 and 9, it says this of Jesus. It says, in putting everything under him, God let nothing that is not subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than angels, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus died on the cross and suffered death. Why? Why would Jesus do such a thing? Firstly, because he was the Son of God. You know, the, Jesus in the Gospels refers to himself as the Son of God a numerous, number of times. Jesus did it because he loves us. You know, Jesus talks about there being a day when he will be one day united with his church. You know, that's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. He loves every single one of us. And he wants us to know that. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16, a very well-known verse, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. That's God's promise for every single one of us in this room. David finishes this psalm with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And really, I just want to finish with this. If you're a Christian here today, hopefully, in looking at the psalm, your response would be that of worship to the God who created the heavens and the earth, the moon and the stars that there is around us. Hopefully you would just get a greater sense of who God is and the fact that he chose to come and dwell amongst us that we might know fullness of life in him. If you've never made a decision to trust in God, to trust in what Jesus did on the cross, then I would encourage you to make that decision. And you make it today. Don't delay making that decision. Trust in the power of what the cross has done for you and me that you might know this eternal life with God. Wonderful. Can I just ask everyone to stand? I'm going to just ask the band to come up. We're going to, I'm going to finish there, but I just want to pray for us all and pray um, that... Yeah, just pray that as we move buildings as well as a church, that you just sense there's a that God is calling us to more in Him and a greater measure of His grace that He has for us. But also, just as we sing this song, um, at the end, I want to give an opportunity for people to receive prayer. I know there's a lot to do this afternoon, but I don't want to miss an opportunity to pray with people um, this morning and specifically. God is a God of healing. God wants to heal and God is in the business of of bringing his kingdom now to our everyday. And I just want to pray specifically, if you have any problems with your feet, I feel that God wants to heal you today and fix whatever might be broken or damaged or sprained, if it's an ankle, then I'd encourage you to come and receive prayer for that this morning. Okay, because I think God is in the business of healing people and doing a mighty work. So I want to pray with you if that's you. So do come up during the song and I'll be happy to lay hands on you. If you also want to speak to us about what it means to um, pray and accept Jesus and to know the power of the cross, then come and talk to me as well. I'll be happy to pray with you.